And now, tonight's presentation of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Tonight, we bring you a transcribed story of a mother, a father, a locked door, and a baby. We call it The Cellar Door. So now, starring Paula Winslow and Parley Bear, here is tonight's suspense play, The Cellar Door. Finally got a perfect Sunday. I thought you were going to wash the car. Well, I decided to mow the lawn instead. Yeah, I could hear you. <laughs> Hi, Sandy. Hi. What's new? New. Hey, did you hear that, Ann? He can say anything now. That You know that woman on the corner? Um, what's her name? Oh, Miss Emerson. Uh, yeah. She wouldn't believe me when I told her Sandy wasn't quite two. She thought he was three or four. Oh, really, Joe? Uh, that's right. We'll have lunch right after your bath, honey. Well, what's the schedule? Well, I'm going to bathe him now, lunch, and his nap, and then we can go to the park. Mm-hmm. I better drain some of that water out of the heater. Where's the bucket, and Down the basement? Oh, I moved everything onto the service porch. It was too tough going up and down those stairs. Hey, look. All those toys, and he plays with an egg beater. Oh, say, the water heater's all right, Joe. If you have to fix something, how about the light socket in the bedroom closet, huh? Well, I'll fix them both. Oh, what was that? I don't know. Oh, it's those kids from across the street. Oh, they must have kicked that football in the yard again. Where are you going? They're killing the hedge. I'll be right back. Oh, come on, Sandy. We'll run the water into the tub. Hey, fellas, don't go through the hedge. Go around it. It's the only hedge I've got to my name. Where's your boat, honey? Can't take a bath without the boat. And right after your nap, we'll go to the park and ride in the pony cart. Oh, here's your boat. Now, look, don't go out in the hall, dear. You stay here. I'll be down in the basement, honey. Did you save the hedge? Yeah, I guess I'm getting old. I've been nursing that hedge for three years. Say, can you watch Sandy for a minute? I want to get a towel out of the kitchen. Sure. And turn the water off, will you, honey? Right. Uh, we'll take on the ponies this afternoon, son, huh? Hey, Ann? Ann! What's wrong? Nothing, but look at Sandy. What'd he do? He took off his stockings. Always oh, been doing that for months. Yeah, I know, but look how neatly he tucked them in his shoes. Just like I do. Cute. Hey. Well, is there something wrong with putting my arms around you? No. You going to fix the light socket upstairs? After I drain the water heater. <laughs> Sandy's bath's going to get cold. Okay. I'm on my way. Oh, Joe. Yeah? Put a low flame under the pans on the stove, will you? Check. Thanks, dear. Oh, the water's just right. Come on. You take off your pants. No. Oh, you did it yesterday. Come on. Start with the buttons. 
Oh. Joe, can you answer the phone? Ruth. Ruth. Joe. I'm down in the basement. Oh. Well, I'll get it. Come on, give me your hand, Sandy. We'll answer the phone together. Oh, you better let me carry you again. The floor is cold and you got your shoes off. There we go. Now, hang on. No, phone. Hello? Oh, fine. Look, can I call you back, Mother? I was just going to give Sandy his bath. He's... Now, he's fine. Uh, no. No, he didn't have a cold after all. Uh, Mother, look, can I call... Mother, can I call you back? Yeah. All right. Yeah, all, all right. You call me back. Mm-hmm. About 15 or 20 minutes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, bye. <sighs> to the bath, we hope. Anne? Oh, dear. What do you want? Who was it? My mother. Oh. Where are the flyers? In the kitchen. Well, will you throw them down to me? <sighs> All right. Sandy, we may never have a bath. Toast. Yeah, Toast. lunch. Lunch. We'll have lunch down. and just... Okay, okay, sweetie. I guess the floor's not that cold. Come on out in the kitchen with me. We gotta find Daddy the pliers. See? Pliers. Pliers. Lights on. No, honey, we only turn the lights on in the evening when it's dark. Come on, let's go back in the hall. No, no, hall. This is the hall. And? Yeah, I'm right here. Well, throw them down. Oh, Joe, you shouldn't leave the cellar door open, not with Sandy around. Well, I knew it was with you. You got the pliers? Yes. Well, throw them down. Look, Sandy, you wait right here in the hall. Now, only be gone a second. You wait right here. Hey, what are you doing? Well, I have to come down a few steps. I can't throw it around the bend in the stairs. Okay. I'll be right back, honey. And you stay right here. Okay, here you are. Catch. Strike. Thanks, dear. Hey, what's the rush? Well, I left Sandy in the hall. Oh, well, when do we eat? Oh, about ten minutes. Joe. Wrong. The door's locked. I, oh, I, I can't get out. Well, now, don't get excited. We'll oh. get it open. Why didn't you put the catch on the lock? Well, I thought you had. The door was open. Did you have to close the door? What do you want Sandy to fall down the stairs? Oh, oh hurry. He's just a baby. He, he, he might fall in the tub. Like anything could happen. Listening to The Cellar Door, tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense.
a veteran radio listener, you'll remember that there never was anything like it on the air. If you're new to radio, you'll soon realize you'd never heard anything like it. The Radio Workshop will continue after a few years' vacation to bring you the new, the exciting, the unusual in all fields of radio broadcasting. Dramas, music, operas, poetry, and comedy. Hear the CBS Radio Workshop this Friday evening and every Friday. And now we bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Harley Bear and Paula Winslow starring in tonight's production, The Cellar Door. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. on the other side. The only thing here is the bolt that holds the lock. The only thing I'm breaking open is my shoulder. Well, you've got to get this door open. He's out there alone. I know it. Keep your voice down and relax. There's no use scaring the kid. Joe, there's water in the bathtub. There's a flame on the stove. Do something. Only get the door open. Hey, what's that? Oh, he's playing with the egg beater. At least he's still in the hall. Look, can't you pry it open? The hinges are on the other side. It's a spring lock. There's no way of turning the lock from here. Sandy! Sandy! Bye. Bye, bye. Oh. Bye, bye. Uh, Honey, I'll be right out. You wait there by the door. Mommy will be right out. Where are you going? See if I can find anything in the basement to smash open that door. should do the trick. He's not in the hall. He doesn't answer. Take it easy. Falling apart isn't going to help. Sandy! What are you doing? Well, if I can twist this bolt. It's part of the lock. Well, hurry. It's going to take a few seconds. See if you can get him back in the hall. Okay. Sandy! Joe, Joe, what was that? What was what? It sounded like, like water splashing. No, I didn't hear anything. I left the back door open. The screen door isn't locked. If he went outside, the, the traffic... Well, this isn't going to work. Well, you've got I'll to... I'll have to try something else. Oh, he's got his toy duck. Yeah, he's in the hall. Down by the bathroom. Sandy! 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 I always give him the duck when he's in the water. Sandy, come down here by the door. Right here, Sandy, where Daddy's knocking. Bye-bye, Daddy. Sandy, stay right here. Let me talk to him. 
Sandy, come up to the door. Right here. Do you see the little knob, Sandy? Can you turn it for Daddy? Oh, he doesn't know what you're talking about. Oh, I've seen him play with every doorknob in the house. But he can't reach it, Joe. He gets up on his chair. Sandy, get your chair, Sandy. Get your chair and bring it to the door. Look, Joe, can't you pry the door open? No, I can't. Sandy, get your chair and bring it to the door. Oh, we could be here till tomorrow morning, till the cleaning woman comes. Get your chair, Sandy. Joe. Shh. He's going for his chair. Oh, it's so stupid. Oh, for heaven's sake, stop beating yourself. It isn't going to open the door. I don't know why you closed but it. I told you. Well, why didn't you pick him up and bring him with you? I should have been gone only a couple of seconds. I don't like to carry him down these stairs. They're so steep. Well, you know how the lock works. You were down in the basement. I thought you put the catch on the lock. But I left the door open. Oh, how many times have I told you with Sandy in the house not to leave the basement door open? Well, he was with you. Oh, what was that? Sounds like he's pulling the pots and pans out of the cupboard. Joe, what? I've got things cooking on the stove. Sandy! Sandy! Don't, don't shout like that. You, you'll scare him half to death. Uh, Sandy! Sandy, bring your chair to the door. Oh, he's doing it. That's a good boy. Bring it right up to the door. That's right. Come on, closer. That's a good boy. Now, get on the chair, son. Get on the chair and turn the knob. Oh, he's gone for his duck. He probably left it in the kitchen. Well, he'll come back as soon as he finds the duck. Oh, I... I hope he didn't throw it in the tub. Joe, what? the window. Oh, it's too high. You could raise me up to the window. Sure, but you'd never get through. It's too narrow. I can wiggle it's through. It's too small. Well, we could at least try. It's a waste of time, Anne. We can't afford it. You can't oh. get through that window. Well, I will. And stop it. Stop it. Let me go. That isn't going to help either. You can't tear down the door. Let go. Take it easy. Well, I... I can't help it. It's better not to frighten him. Sandy! Oh. He's still looking for the duck. Sandy, come to the door. Daddy! Daddy! Daddy's right here, son. Now, now turn the little knob. Climb up on your chair and turn it for Daddy. Knob. Climb on the chair, Sandy. Let me talk to him. You don't want to confuse him. Come on, Buster, up on the chair. Hang on to the doorknob, Sandy. It's all right. Turn the little shiny knob, Sandy. The one under the doorknob. The lock. Now look what you've done. He's playing with a doorknob. Well, he has to hang on to something. I don't want him to fall. Shh. The little knob below the doorknob, son. The little shiny one. That's the lock. Bye, bye. 
No, no, no. Stay right there, son. Don't go away. Don't go away. Now turn the shiny one. Right here where Daddy's tapping. Joe, he's too young to understand. Watch the doorknob, Sandy. See? See how I turn the doorknob? Now, you turn the one under it. it, it it's your turn now, Sandy. Good boy. Now, turn it all the way. He's turning it the wrong way. No, turn it the other way, son, and to your right. I, I, I mean, turn the other way. Once more, Sandy. Oh! Oh, he fell off the chair. Sandy, baby, are you all right? Okay, Sandy. Oh, as if he could tell us. No, he's all right. Sandy, Sandy, fix your chair. The game's over, Joe. Can't you break it open? Well, you saw me try. Sandy. Sandy will be right out. You wait right there in the hall. Hey, we're right across from the Donaldson's kitchen. Well, I don't think they're home. Ed! 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 Oh, they couldn't possibly hear you. kitchen. Oh, there must be some way. If I could just get this bolt loose. Well, that's what you should have done in the first place. Well, it's frozen tight. Oh, it, it moved. That was the pliers, not the bolt. Sandy! He's still in the kitchen. Oh, don't be so sure. Oh, you always expect the worst. If the house was on fire, you wouldn't admit it. Well, I don't go around looking for trouble. What you mean is that I face things and you don't. No, what I mean is you're not happy unless there's something wrong. And if there isn't something wrong, you create it. I created this, I suppose. Yes, unconsciously. Look, I have told you a hundred times not to leave the basement door open. Tell me I created it. All right, it's my fault. I did it. I'm to blame. I'm also to blame for this bolt. It won't turn, but it's my fault. Ow! Oh, that's how you always try to settle things. It's my fault. Only you never mean it. That's a fine defense. Well, I've had to learn a few, like at the Henderson's party the other night. The Henderson's? That was over a month ago. Oh, what difference does it make? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, that's probably Mother. She was supposed to call back. Sandy's found his duck. He, he always picks up the phone unless I'm there to stop him. Well, let him pick it up. If we didn't come to the phone, she might get the idea there's something wrong. Sandy! Leave him alone. He's in the hall. Sounds like he's he's next to the phone. Oh! Was that the phone? He pulled it to the floor. Say hello to Grandma, Sandy. Say hello to Grandma. Oh, I guess it doesn't make any difference whether it's Grandma or not. I can't hear him if you keep talking. No, I, I don't hear anything. Sandy! Sandy! Well, he's not in the hall. Maybe they'll phone back. Oh, he never puts the receiver back. Sandy! Sandy, come out here in the hall. Can you hear him? No. 
Now, what are you doing? Well, this screwdriver isn't very sharp, but I think I can chisel enough of this door jam away to get the lock. That should work. Here, hold the pliers. Oh, hurry. Well, I'm going as fast as I can. Oh. Sandy! Sandy! Oh, if he was in the house, he could hear me. He may be back in his room playing. Oh, Joe, you haven't even gotten the paint Well, off. if I had a knife, I... There, we're beginning to get someplace. Did you hear that? What? The back door. He's gone outside. Why didn't you? Well, how could you? I'm listening for him, too. Outside. There you go again. Well, he could be outside. And he could be in his room. Oh, I hope so. Oh, is this going to work? What? Are you going to be able to open the door? Don't, don't start to break up. Not now. Well, you didn't answer It's me. going to work. Oh. How much longer? Five, maybe ten minutes. I don't know. It's like trying to crack cement with a toothpick. I, I hope he's in his room. He's in his room. I hope so. What was that? Something hit the window. Hey, it's a football. I can see part of it. It must be those kids from across the street. They'll come to get it. But, uh, uh, Joe, don't start shouting until we see them. I can see his feet. Hey, come around to the back door and, and, and let us we're, out. We're trapped in, we're trapped in here. Give me the pliers. heard us. Probably thought we were shouting at him for kicking the football into our yard. Here, hold the pliers. Get closer. I'll be able to shove the lock back if I can get deep enough. Sandy! Even if he went into the yard, he, he might stay there. Oh, I hope he didn't get into the bathtub. He had his duck, and, and the boat was already there. What time is it? Oh, I don't have my watch. He didn't put the receiver back, or the phone would ring again. We've been in here at least an hour. Well, it won't be long now. Can you move over and give me a little more room? Well, I'm flat against the wall. Okay, okay. Don't start taking it out on me. That's right. Start putting words in my mouth. Look. I don't have to go back a month, like the Henderson party, to find something to complain about. Complain? Oh, you make it sound so simple. One small complaint. If I knew what you were talking about, it might help. If you knew what I was... I felt like a fool. What did I do? <laughs> you know. No, I don't know. I don't have to tell you. Well, then I'll never know. Then you'll never... Do. That's what's so infuriating about it. Oh, but... Sandy! Sandy! I think I heard him. Oh, where? I thought I heard him down the hall. I did. I don't hear him. Sandy. Sandy. Oh, keep working at the door. What do you think I'm doing? I tell you, it was uncomfortable. Oh, at the party. Yes, at the party. Oh, well, you'll have to let me in on it. I'm in the dark. Well, did you have to insult everyone by talking to Healy all night? Oh, he's, he's 20. I'm 10, 12 years old. That's not the point. 
I'm only accusing you of being rude. What did I do that was so rude? You didn't mix with anyone. You didn't talk to anyone. You ignored everyone. Well, you're the one who told me how to act at parties. Oh, it's my but fault. When I complained about these parties for business reasons and how much they bored me, you're the one who told me how to act at them. Oh, I'm sorry I even meant You that. said find somebody interesting, hang on to them, spend the evening with them. All I did was take your advice. But you still have to acknowledge that there are other people present. Oh, for Those people aren't interested in seeing me. They only want to see you. I'm your wife, so I go along. Oh, that isn't true. You're the bright young man in town. That's why we go to parties like the Hendersons. Well, is that bad? Well, of course not. I'm always ready to be of help. Oh, don't go out of your way for me. Don't do me any favors. Oh, that's unfair. Yeah, now be a martyr. Sandy! Oh, why doesn't he answer? I'm hitting metal. A few more seconds and that's all. From here on in, you can go to parties all by yourself. Oh, you think people only want to know you because of me? You envy my job, you envy everything I do. That's the problem. No, it's you. It's you. You're never satisfied. You want too much. Because you're not a smashing success overnight, you take it out on me. All right, I'm a failure. Yes, in more ways than one. I'll tell you if it wasn't for the kid, I'd... But you can leave tonight. And I intend to. At last, there's the lock. Now, push on the door as I shove the lock back. Not yet. Okay. Now. What's wrong? The screwdriver slipped. That's what's wrong. We'll try again. Okay. Push. Ducks in the tub. Maybe he's in his room. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll look there. You, you better look outside. All right. Sandy! Baby! It's money! Sandy! 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 Anne! Oh, Anne! Anne! I, I found him. Well, where are you? Don't shout. He's sound asleep. Is he okay? Yes. He got tired and went to sleep. Where'd you find him? In the hall closet. In the hall? Here. Let me take him. No. I'll hold him. Where are you going? <sighs> to put him to bed. You want me to? No, I'll do it. What time is it? 11.25. Oh, no, it can't be. We must have been in there a couple of hours. We were only in there about 20 minutes. And... And I... I'm sorry about those things I said. You know I didn't mean them. You know I love you. Put the receiver back on the phone. Turn the flame off on the stove. As soon as I get him in bed, we'll have lunch.
Suspense. In which Paula Winslow and Parley Bear starred in tonight's presentation of The Cellar Door. Next week, the story of a group of brave men who risk their lives in a desperate effort to save their fellow men. We call it Arctic Rescue. That's next week on... Suspense. Suspense is transcribed in Hollywood by Anthony Ellis. Tonight's script was written by Bernard Girard. The music was composed by Rene Garagank and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Sound patterns by Bill James and Tom Hanley. Featured in the cast were Richard Beals and Byron Kane. Stay tuned for five minutes of CBS News to be followed on most of these stations by The Jack Carson Show. You hear America's favorite shows on the CBS Radio Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, tonight's presentation of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Tonight, we bring you a transcribed story of a group of brave men who risk their lives in a desperate effort to save their fellow men. We call it Arctic Rescue. So now, starring Mr. John Stevenson, here is tonight's suspense play, Arctic Rescue. Picture this if you can. Christmas night. Miles and miles of endless, empty, broken white ice. An ice floe drifting somewhere in the vicinity of the 73rd parallel, north of the Arctic Circle. Nothing but ice. That is, nearly nothing. If you look carefully through the winter night, you'll see two tiny dark blemishes. The figures of two men. One twisted in an unconscious heap is our skipper, Jonathan Blake. The other figure, Gerald Stewart, first mate, me. It makes a sorry picture, eh? Civilized men in a primitive wilderness of ice, waiting, helplessly, for death. I, a sorry picture. It's 
It's a far different picture you'd have seen if you'd been part of the excited crowd standing at the battery of the New York waterfront on June morning, the year 1852. Aye, Mrs. Stewart. The moment of departure? Aye, Lady Franklin. You must take the high tide. May God and his great mercy protect you and your men from the perils which await you. The men are prepared for hardships, Lady Franklin. And we shall succeed where the others have failed in ending the mystery of the Erebus and Terror. Aye. Back to Aberdeen in time for a Christmas feast. We'll prepare a Christmas celebration your men will never forget, Captain. We're leaving for England next week. I, I shall pray for you, Mr. Stewart. For, for all of you. Thank you, Miss Craycroft. I'll stand many a watch out at sea thinking of last night, the ball, dancing, and you. And that is, all of us will, I mean. What my first mate is trying to tell your niece, Lady Franklin, is how grateful the officers and crew are for the farewell ball you held in their honor last night. I'm the grateful one, Captain Blake. Please bring them all home safely. Come now, Lady Franklin, no need for worry. The Jessica is a sturdy ship, and the men are in good health and lofty spirits. We'll be back by Christmas, you'll see. The tide will change. We must be on our way. Then goodbye and good luck, Captain. Goodbye, Lady Franklin, Miss Greycroft. Goodbye, Captain Blake. Goodbye, Mr. Stewart. Godspeed. Thank you. We shall see you in Aberdeen Christmas week. Let's get aboard, Mr. Stewart. Yes, sir. Goodbye, Lady Franklin. Starkey. Yes, sir. Drop the gangway. Here, sir. All hands at their mooring stations, Mrs. Stewart. Yes, sir. And pass the orders to cast off. Aye, sir. All hands, prepare to cast off. All hands, prepare to cast off. Let go, one and two. Let go, one and two. Let go, three and four. Let go, three and four. Ship's underway, sir. Aye. Well, Mrs. Stewart, fill your eyes with the sight of New York. It's the last of it you'll be seeing for some time to come. Aye. A good long time. I am, sir. As the Jessica moved slowly to the outer harbor, I watched a tiny, delicate white dot in the crowd at the wharf. She stood there beside Lady Franklin, waving. And I watched until the morning fog erased the sight of the New York waterfront. Aside from the ship's log, I've decided to keep a running account of this voyage. This account will be transferred to a watertight jar and thrown to the currents, should any sudden disaster occur. The first three weeks of navigation north were merely a matter of settling down to ship's routine. On June 30th, after officers' mess, we sighted Point Farewell on the Greenland coast. The time had come for the captain to read a letter of instructions given to him by Lady Franklin. Captain Blake, I am sure you will do all that any man can in discovering the fate of my husband, Sir John Franklin, and his two ships, the Erebus and Terror. But my only fear is that you might sacrifice your lives in the unknown regions of the Arctic. Therefore, let me state that above all else, the preservation of the lives of you and your heroic companions 
is more important to me than the purpose of your journey. May God in his great mercy preserve you all from harm amidst the perils which await and restore you to us safely and in health as well as honor. Your sincere and attached friend, Jane Franklin. These are the only written instructions I have, gentlemen. Now then, Mr. Stewart, the map, please. Yes, sir. There it is, gentlemen. The most recent admiralty map of the Arctic regions that we are approaching. Map? Well, it's almost completely blank. Aye, Mr. Halliday. Thousands of miles of uncharted wilderness. And somewhere in that frozen tundra, Sir John Franklin and his men vanished. Aye. And our search will begin tomorrow when we drop anchor in Goldhawk. We'll pick up our ice pilot, Mr. Patrick Hansons, from additional supplies and then make for the Arctic Circle. Arctic Circle? Sounds like the edge of the world, eh, Stuart? Yes, a little frightening, too. Are you frightened? Mr. Halliday, if I were you, I would respect Mr. Stewart's fear of what lies before us. Captain, I was just thinking, if Franklin was looking for the Northwest Passage, he'd probably make an approach through here, through Lancaster Sound. Aye. And he must have passed Ponds Bay here. And according to our information, there are Eskimos at Ponds Bay. They might have seen his ships enter Lancaster Sound. And if they did, then we'll have something to go by. I hope Mr. Henson understands the Eskimo dialects. They can tell us much. I don't see how we can cover all this territory and get back by Christmas, Captain. We have no choice, Mr. Stewart. If we get caught beyond the Arctic Circle after the summer months, we may never get back. Never? Aye. In the winter, the seas are covered with great ice flows. And once a ship is frozen in, in those latitudes, it will stay there until the summer thaw. And you can't imagine the horrors we'd endure in an Arctic winter, Mr. Halliday. I, uh, I suppose not. Franklin and his men were probably frozen in for the winter and... And they were never heard from again? Exactly. Well, that would give you a brief idea of what we're in for, gentlemen. We'll know more after Mr. Hansen comes aboard. Any questions? I have nothing but questions, Captain. I wish I had the answers, Stuart. Noon the next day, we dropped anchor in the harbor of Godhard. Here we could take on coal, additional winter clothing, dogs and Eskimo drivers. And Mr. Hansen, our ice pilot. Godhab was nothing more than a few huts of the Baffin Bay Trading Company. And as we prepared to go ashore, a longboat suddenly appeared alongside. Captain Blake. Aye. I'm Patrick Hansen, your ice pilot, sir. We were about to send a boat ashore for you, Mr. Henson. No time for that, Captain. But we planned on picking up supplies and dogs. I brought them. They're in the boat. Well, what's the rush, Mr. Hansen? Uh, this is Gerald Stewart, my first mate. You've never been to the Arctic before, Mr. Stewart. No. You'll take my word for it. We better get up there while we got the summer weather, you bet. All right, so we run into a little summer ice. The Jessica's prepared for it. Yeah. She looks like good, strong ship. We never seen an iron ship up here before. And steam engine, too. <laughs> well, that's not all the Jessica has. There's an additional iron plates across her hull, as well as added bracing thwart ship. And the forward ten feet of the bow is solid iron and razor sharp at the edge. What do you think that will do to your ice, Mr. Hanson? You wait and you see what the ice can do to a ship, even an iron ship, Mr. Stewart. Mr. Hanson, you received my letters. Yeah. 
And you made inquiries about the Erebus and Terra? Yeah, they was here. They couldn't get dogs, so they headed for Pawns Bay. Across Baffin Bay? That's right. Just as we thought. Mr. Halliday? Yes, sir? Get those supplies aboard, then prepare the ship for sea. Aye, aye, sir. Stuart, you can chart a course for us. We'll cross the Arctic Circle next and on to Pons Bay. We set a north by northwest course, leaving the last outpost of civilization behind us and crossed the Great Baffin Bay. On July 4th, we crossed the Arctic Circle without ceremony. Then we had ice freezing on deck and in the rigging. A day later, we saw our first floating iceberg. For this time of the year, we should not have seen either one. From Godhub to Ponds Bay, six and a half days. Perfect calm. Upon landing, we found a small contingent of Eskimos, but nothing else. They seemed hostile and would give us no information. Then as we were preparing to return to the Jessica, one of the natives, a girl, rushed from one of the huts and down to the beach. Who's there? Who's there? What's she saying, Mr. Henson? I'm not sure. Captain, look. She has something in her hand. She wants us to look at it. It's a small brass button. From a naval uniform. Aye. See if she'll trade it for some sewing needles. Who's there? Galaga? What does she mean by that? Who's there? Joseph. She's trying to say man's name. Who's there? Galaga? Joseph Galaga? Stuart. Is that name on Sir John's crew list? I'm looking, sir. Yes, sir, it's here. Quartermaster, Joseph Gunnagher. They've been here. Aye. Better get back to the ship, men. Looks like a gale brewing. Who's there? Let her keep the buttons to it. Give her the needles, too. Yes, sir. Who's there? After leaving Ponds Bay, two months passed without incident. Then we entered Lancaster Sound and approached the scarcely charted islands along Barrow Strait. Then we encountered great mountains of floating ice, and we had only a few hours of twilight each day. We crossed the 75th parallel and north into Wellington Channel to Bathurst Islands, the last of the charted islands on my maps. Then on September 10th, weather changed. Northwest gales, sleet, and heavy fogs that forced us to a bare crawl. And worse, mammoth ice flows that closed in all around us. Mr. Stewart? Yes, sir. Keep an eye on the temperature. I am, sir. Ice! Ice! Get ahead! master, Starboard! Six degrees! You've been getting smaller all the time. Captain, the temperature's still dropping. Ten above zero. What do you think of this lead, Henson? I think maybe we better back out of here. Back out? Take a look astern, Hanson. Back out where? Captain. What is it, Halliday? The rudder won't respond. Six below, sir. I get ahead. The lead is getting smaller, Captain. Aye. Aye. Well, the Arctic seems to be closing down on us on all counts. The walls of the lead moved in closer until a man could jump to the ice from either side of the ship. And then the Jessica was cutting through the ice, making her own lead. But slowly, we lost speed. 
finally, the ship gave up to the ice. We, uh, we frozen in now. Aye. Stop engines, Mr. Stewart. Yes, sir. Well, Captain Blake, looks like we can forget about looking for Sir John Franklin and his ships. Now that we've frozen in, we're going to have to look out for our own lives, you bet. Listening to Arctic Rescue, tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. The Precinct House, the hub of a policeman's life, is a world in itself. All the distorted, misguided emotions of humanity are channeled through its doors and dealt with by the men who work there, protecting us every hour of the day and night. You can get another authentic glimpse of this tense but tireless life Thursday on that brilliantly realistic CBS radio drama, 21st Precinct, heard every Thursday night over most of these same stations. Not only will you hear another exciting, incisive drama of police life, you will win a new knowledge of and respect for the men in precinct houses everywhere on 21st Precinct. And now we bring back to our Hollywood soundstage John Stevenson, starring in tonight's production, Arctic Rescue, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. September 10th, 1852. Unless a miracle occurred, we were frozen in the Arctic for the rest of the winter months. A sea of ice surrounded us, and the ship took on a starboard list from the pressure of the flow. Rations were cut in food, water, and coal consumption. Furious gales came and went. There were more freezing temperatures, often as low as 35 below. The doctor was a busy man. Nearly all hands suffered from frostbite, many from gangrene. Conditions aboard the Jessica were deplorable. I thought they couldn't get any worse. October came. November. December. And we thought of home and the holidays. And of Lady Franklin and Miss Craycroft sitting alone at the Christmas feast that was to be held in our honor. On Christmas Day, the cook outdid himself. We had a feast aboard the Jessica on the last of the salt pork and the beef. And with the last of the Alsop's ale and minced meat, the cook made pies. And we had a celebration. Christmas Day, 1852. Men, men, the captain has a word to say. I, uh... I drop below to offer you my greetings on this holiday and to wish you a much happier Christmas next year.
Christmas Eve, 1853, one year later. We're still frozen in. Summer came and passed without an appreciable rise in temperature, and the ice failed to break up. Men living on pemmican, occasionally bear meat and seal blubber. No more lime juice. This means scurvy. The year also saw the loss of 11 men. The doctor and the ice pilot Hansen among them. Two in a chase with a polar bear, three from scurvy and the rest from gangrene. Most of the men have frostbite. Our second Christmas in the Arctic. A flow that holds the ship is drifting south down Peel Sound. We saw the shores of King William Island and the captain sent three men on a sledge to look for food depots or a rock can, anything. They returned today. Where did you find it, Halliday? In a cairn. We also found empty pemmican cans and bits of ship's timber. Stuart, listen to this. It was written by Franklin himself. 1851. Latitude, 69 degrees. Longitude, 98 degrees west. HMS Terror sank when ice broke. Erebus still frozen in. Beset since April 12th, 1850. We are deserting the Erebus. Attempting overland march to Baxfish River to Hudson Bay. If unheard from, when this found, we must be considered lost. Sir John Franklin, Captain, HMS Erebus. We've found what we came for. Aye. Then they're all dead. Aye. If something doesn't happen pretty soon... We'll be dead, too. Eh, Makes for a very merry Christmas, eh, Captain? Captain! I hear it. The ice. It's breaking. Great cracks open in the ice. And then out of the water, through the openings, another great mountain of ice would rise. Great slabs of surface a hundred yards wide shattered, upended, and sank into the turning water. All around us, great jagged fingers of ice crashed up through the flow. All hands abandon ship. All hands abandon ship. All hands abandon ship. Stuart, get your chance. We're going out on the ice, too. I could feel the ship jarring loose under me. And suddenly the Jessica wrenched sharply, throwing me across the deck. The last sound in my ears was that of the Jessica tearing loose from the ice. Slowly, I became aware of a pain in my leg, then of movement. I opened my eyes. The captain was helping me walk. I looked into the winter darkness for the familiar sight of the Jessica. I saw nothing. Nothing but ice. Skipper. Uh, Feeling better, lad? What what about the ship? Gone down. The rest of the men? I, I don't know. Gone. The flow separated. Most of them are on the other side. Where are we 
walking to? Why? I don't know. I don't know. Keep walking. Aye. We'll keep walking. We'll find a Yule log, Stuart. What's Christmas without a Yule log in the hearth? Move, Skipper. Move. We walked on and on, climbing jagged hummocks of ice, falling through thin spots, legs got wet, froze. We beat the ice off walking in circles through the Arctic night. Endless circles. Oh, yeah, yeah. We good. Rest. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll rest a bit. Uh, yeah. Rest. Sleep a bit in the ice. Warm, comforting ice. No, don't sleep. Get awake, Captain. Sleep, Stuart. The fire in the hearth will keep us warm. And tomorrow, Christmas morning, it'll be there, Stuart, you'll see. What will be there? It'll be there. You'll see. Don't. Don't go to sleep, Captain. Don't sleep. My eyes grew heavy. I craved sleep. But to sleep was to die. I was ready. In the sky over the horizon, a star. The night was overcast. There were no other stars. Just one. Bright in the distance. I could see it. Stood. It was still there. A bright star over the horizon. Captain. Captain. Up. Up. On your feet. Captain, we're going to keep walking. Captain. Captain, get up. I, I want to sleep. I'm tired. You've got to get up. Got to get up. Keep on walking. Walking? Where? There. That way. Towards that star. We walked on. Slowly. I carry the skipper. Unconscious now. What could it be? There are no lights in the Arctic. No stars through the overcast. But we kept moving. And the star came closer. What suddenly appeared through the darkness, directly beneath the star, was the vague outline of a ship. A ship! Stuart? Stuart! Ship. I saw. Starkey. Halliday. In the flesh. I, I 
saw a ship. Yes, I know. You're on it. See? But where did it come from? It's not the Jessica. I know. It's the Erebus, one of Franklin's ships. The one they deserted. The Erebus? Where did it come from? Well, there we were, all of us except you and the captain, lying on that flow after the Jessica went down. Ready to die, just as we thought you'd died. And then, just as graceful as you please, we see a ship drifting slowly out of the fog, through the broken ice, right to us. The captain. I left him out on the ice. No, he's all right. We brought him aboard. And pretty soon, we'll be on our way home. Home? Yes, the ice is open. We can get out. The Erebus will take us back. How's that for a Christmas surprise? I follow the star. What? He's sleeping. What was that he said? He followed a star? Oh, he must have seen that lantern we hung on the mainmast. Mistook it for a star. Oh. And saved his life. And the captain. Well, being that it's still Christmas, I guess you could call it a miracle. Hey, Starkey? Aye. Aye, I guess you could have that, sir. Suspense, in which John Stevenson starred in tonight's presentation of Arctic Rescue. Next week, the story of a man who thought the best way to commit murder was to plan it first. We call it Variations on a Theme. That's next week on Suspense. Suspense is transcribed in Hollywood by Anthony Ellis. Tonight's script was written by Gus Bays. The music was composed by Lucian Marlowek and Rene Garrigan and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Featured in the cast were Herb Butterfield, Norma Barden, Lillian Bayef, Richard Peel, George Walsh, John Dodsworth, and Clayton Post. Stay tuned for five minutes of CBS News to be followed on most of these same stations by The Jack Carson Show. America's favorite shows on the CBS radio network.